Hey, Jeff. Hey, Rudolph. There We're we back. go. Third That's time it. Lucky. That's it. That's it. Best things happen in threes, like Definitely. series series Land Rovers. Definitely. You know, that's yes. It. Uh, so, firstly, thanks so much for for joining again. Uh, we spoke roughly a month ago. Uh, so maybe let's uh, start with uh, an update on uh, what happened um, on your side with series series in the last month. Yeah. No worries, Rudolph. Um, look, thanks a lot for having us back. Um, I've been listening listening to your podcast. Land Rovers, which is, I think, the they do. Um, so the the last month has been pretty busy, as always. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time, obviously, editing videos and getting them ready for YouTube, uh, and also been spending a lot of time working on the Series 3, which is sort of getting close to getting ready for our big trip that we're doing in August of this year, where we're traveling from the uh, center of Australia or the Red Center right down to the Australian Bight on pretty much gravel roads and back tracks. So um, it's really got to be in sort of the best possible condition it can be. And one of the things that I've been working on a lot is the is a motor that I got reconditioned last year. And I'm modifying it slightly, uh, tastefully, I like to think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, fiddling with the suspension a bit, getting it to sit properly. And then I've also pulled out the transmission too, uh, which I've pulled all apart, transfer case and gearbox. And then uh, what else? I've then got a, I've got a custom built long range tank which is basically a copy of the original 16-gallon fuel tank you could get for the long wheelbase yeah. or, or the 109-inch. Uh, but you can actually fit two of them uh, underneath 88-inch, and that's what I've got. But the one on the passenger side was starting to look a little bit suspect because it was yeah. a, a sec second-hand job. So this one's been made up out of uh, Australian steel, so supposedly it's meant to be pretty good it's pretty heavy um so i'll pop that in and then that'll give us yeah 130 136 liters uh, on board yeah mm, mm, interesting yeah. so that yeah. basically uh, i mean that also kind of gives an introduction into um what we decided on um having a, a look at today is kind of um some uh, some tools and uh, affordable gear that uh, one can um, look at for for investing when um, when deciding on, on doing a, either a tough track or a long weekend away or whatever the case might mm. be. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I've um, had a good think about this, Rudolph, because it's a uh, oh, it's a bit of a can of worms, really. Um, yeah, you've is. got to sort of know you, you've got to know where you're starting from, which I think's the most important thing and um, I always think you've got to look at what kind of trips you want to do first sure. uh, even bef even before you buy a vehicle would you say that's true well definitely I mean uh, you need to kind of uh, you know decide on um, you know what you're going to use it for uh, and mm. also including or taking in consideration at least um, you know if you've got a family of three or four or five or um, you know if it's a weekend away trip if it's for pulling the boat every weekend down to the river or it's something that you're going to be pulling a trailer down up the mount or up the mountains rather um, and then you know kind of and obviously uh, I would say budget as well 
Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Sorry, yeah. just to just to add to that, you know, uh, I yeah. had this talk with someone uh, a few days ago here, and it's somewhat unfortunate. Um, in in South Africa, we don't really have the market that the, that you guys uh, in Australia have when it comes to uh, modified secondhand vehicles. Um, you know, for us in South Africa, it seems like uh, it seems four by four owners tends to be very sentimental uh, of their vehicles, and um, the secondhand market. Um, you know, if you go to view a vehicle that, you know, was specifically built for, I don't know, let's say, for example, it's a bit of an overlander uh, slash a little bit of a crawler, whatever the case might be, you know, it, it tends to, in South Africa at least, it tends to veer people away from those buys because, you know, it was purposely built for something. So you're going to assume it's been used and abused in that specific uh, terrain, uh, which is not necessarily always, always the case. But um, with that said, um, you know, I think people forgot about the fact that, you know, to go out to camp or to go for adventure or go for a weekend away, you do not need the overly modified 4x4 with all the bells and whistles. Oh, no, definitely not. I think uh, one of the things I learned very early on, and this was before the Land Rover fiascos and all the rest, mm. um, I actually, my first four-wheel drive was a Ford Maverick or a GQ Nissan Patrol. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I bought the, my first four-wheel drive, which was one of them, was because it wasn't modified. And it got stolen, sadly, a few years later. But I then bought another one, and that one was bulk standard. Yeah. And the, and the great thing about buying a standard four-wheel drive, as you say, you don't need anything flash to necessarily get out there and go camping. But if you buy something that's already been modified, then you're having to trust someone else's handiwork. And yeah. provided they've done a good job, that's fine. But there's a lot of good four-wheel drives out there that have been tastefully done. And then there's a lot that um, leave a little bit more to be desired. So if you are going down that road, you've really just got to um, probably do more research, I would say, than that's buying right. just a bulk standard vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I started. I started out, uh, you know, uh, from high school, uh, camping out of a uh, Corsa Light, which is basically, I think, uh, they used to be called Holden's little two-door oh, Holden, yeah. uh, you know, um, front-wheel drive little car. So, you know, that took me places where obviously uh, I, I couldn't get where the four by fours or the four-wheel drivers were getting to. But um, it got me to campsites. It got me, you know, uh, on gravel roads, exploring the back roads of uh, of the Western Cape. So. Uh, and, you know, slowly but surely, then, um, you know, you also, everyone has got a style to their camping. You know, some people prefer mm. uh, basic, a basic setup with, you know, nothing more than a, a mattress and a, a sleeping bag. And, you know, others prefer a little bit more glamorous caravan uh, camping or, you know, nice, a nice fully kitted kitchen or whatever the case might be. So I guess you also kind of need to keep that in mind when deciding where to start at least um, investing your, your money. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I guess I guess this can lead on to uh, the question of why, why did you buy your Land Rover? Well, from, you know, besides the fact that... Um, you know, my mum, uh, I grew up in a, in an old little 75 Series 3. And um, so for me, since since a young age, it's been the vehicle that, you know, I would eventually uh, want to get for the fact that it was, uh, you know, part of my, my upbringing. But, um, 
I think it's also regarding the, you know, the the adventure that a Land Rover offers. Um, and oh, that's the one thing I'll always tell everyone is the fact that it could be Monday, a Wednesday or Friday afternoon. Whenever you get into a Land Rover, it's always Saturday inside. Um, you know, it's always as soon as you turn the key, it's it means you're going on adventure. If you're going down to the shop to buy milk and bread or you're going for a one week trip down the coast, um, you know, adventure is imminent. So, um, you know, I've, and for me, as someone being not as mechanically or electrically inclined that I've mentioned many times before, it's this the perfect vehicle, um, you know, to to start from scratch. Um, it's so basic, so simple. Uh, and, you know, it could be a disadvantage, it could be an advantage, but most of the times the advantage being the fact that breaking down, it teaches you how to sort yourself out. And if you want to move on to bigger and better and uh, uh, um, different vehicles, I think it gives you such a great foundation to work from, um, you know, and to then have that confidence to go even further or, um, you know, um, uh, further from home in time or distance. Oh, yes. I guess you could say it makes you a more independent individual, uh, certainly a lot more resourceful. And I guess that's, you know, now we're getting to this point with Land Rovers where they're, I think I mentioned it in our last podcast that we did, uh, they're, they're trendy, they're sure. in fashion, you know. you. I think I saw, yeah, I think it was a camping magazine the other day mm. and there's a Defender in it. You wouldn't have seen that at all five years yeah. ago, but yeah. they're, they're everywhere now. So they're very, they're very niche, they're very sought after. So I think, you know, coming back to what we were talking about before and your your adventures in your little you know front wheel drive vehicle um you know what why do you want to buy the vehicle you know that that really comes down to it obviously for you you know you've got a certain sentimental family attachment to it but also a desire for adventure sure. whereas some people might want it or think why should i get one uh because they want that iconic classic vehicle So that, I think, you know, then dictates what you want to do with it. And that then comes down to, you know, what we've talked about discussing here, the kind of equipment that you're actually going to look at purchasing too. Because, you know, do do you want it as a a weekend driver, you know, or something to go out on a Sunday afternoon? Because a lot of people who own series Land Rovers just do that and there's nothing wrong with that. Or do you want to be a bit more ambitious like yourself and go and, you know, tackle the beaches and the mountains and all the rest? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, obviously um, our talk will obviously revolve around the the, the lesser um, or the latter mm. for the fact that, um, mm. you know, if, if, if it's a Sunday drive down to the coffee shop or down to the beach um, for late afternoon drive, then breaking down, you I'm going to assume you're close to you're in. It's probably still in the city, cl- very close to home. Mm. So any any fault fi- uh, faults that might arise is not an uh, issue at all. Uh, compared to you know t- taking the landy out of the the comfort zones of um, you know phone reception even or being close to a garage or someone that could pull or tow you, I think that's kind of when um, you know uh, you will have to start to consider. Uh, the add-ons or the accessories or the gear that mm. uh, you would need to, you know, bring you back, um, 
you know, because the landing will take you there, but to have these uh, gear, a variety of accessories with you just give you gives you that uh, uh, confidence, I would say, to either in a convoy or by yourself, uh, you know, to, to successfully and comfortably do a trip um, and, and come back in one piece. Oh, for sure, definitely. And I guess that brings on to the question, what's your top piece of kit that you think is well worth buying? When you first have a Land Rover, yeah. or your first Land Rover, what what would you recommend from your experience? Well, you know, I've got a whole list of things that I would recommend, just due to the fact <laughs> that it's all from personal experience. You know, yeah, and yeah, yeah, and it's all you know, all across the spectrum. But these are things that I've been using uh, substantially, and if not on every trip, at least on every second trip. Um, so you know, uh, and I'm going to keep it to. I'm going to keep all of these items kind of in a in a, the bundle of uh, either a weekend away or more than a week away. But I'm going to try and keep it in a in a sense of you know um, self recovery, um, yep. because most of the times for me at least in my experiences, 99% of my trips are completely by myself. So I need to be comfortable with whatever I pack into the back of that landy that it would it will uh you know be advantageous for me to to have that uh, on a on a solo trip so the one thing the cheapest thing the most used thing that i've got in the back that never leaves the land rover is a spade um it's uh, a short uh, um uh, it's it's not the what do they call it the long um uh, shaft spade it's just this perfect short spade that fits in the back of the landy other under the seat and um, being someone that likes to go in softer sand sometimes, it's the one thing that's helped me so many times before. Um, so the the spade, my tire, um, my tire compressor, and my bottle jack has been the three items that has not left the Land Rover. Um, so in essence, you know, those are three things that never leaves Landy. But there's an entire box that you know I will add to the landy as soon as i pack for camp away but is there anything that you have in the landy that basically is is stock standard whenever you even take a drive to the to the shop oh yeah definitely and i guess um in preparing to do this today i just sort of took a bit more of a sort of broader uh, approach on it the the top thing i would say is a land rover published workshop manual Sure. Now that's that sounds pretty basic, and like everyone's probably thinking, well, yeah, do you should have that, but you'd be surprised. And when I mean workshop manual, you need it in a hard copy. Yeah. You know, not not on your phone or your iPad. Yeah, it's just yeah. a lot easier to work through. And then I would also recommend that you get a second workshop manual, uh, particularly the Haynes one is really quite good because it's in very simple terms. And yeah. it's designed for the what I call the the weekend warrior. So I always keep a workshop manual in all of my vehicles because you know you might be out on that sand dune, and I think you mentioned last time you've had a few ignition problems in the past. Yeah. And you can go, oh, why isn't it working right? Oh, it's actually the the points just need adjusting. Oh well, I'll just do that now with a crank handle. Yeah. And, and off you go. So. I think that's a really good one to get yourself out of trouble. And yeah, I agree. The bottle jack is fantastic and a good jacking plate is really good. Uh, even if you have a sturdy chopping board, that can work quite well yeah. in sand as a jacking plate too. Uh, but 
The other thing I would recommend is a good set of spanners and particularly get yourself a set of Whitworth spanners and sockets to go with it too. And then you can basically fix just about everything on the vehicle. Definitely. So um, that kind of, you know, that's the, uh, with that mentioned, we kind of move into the, um, the weekend box, uh, if you want to call oh, it. Oh, yes. Yep. Where you kind of, uh, you like know, kind of go for a breakdown into the things that um, is, is uh, definitely um, recommended for leaving, uh, you know, if, if you decide to leave the house for, for longer than a few days mm. or um, in time or distance. So, yes, yeah, so obviously um, a good set of spanners you, you mentioned now uh, with, with uh, regarding that, isn't, isn't it mostly on the gearbox that you would still find on the Series 3 uh, the with, with um, um, sizes? Uh Yes, I believe so. Mainly the gearbox and engine. You'll yeah. find a bit of Whitworth. Uh, on some of the, if you're going into like the Series 2, uh, you'll find Whitworth on the actual uh, axle assemblies themselves. Uh, yeah. And then Series 1, it's Whitworth all the way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess yeah. also for Series 1s, you know, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a Series 1 actually on the tracks for the fact that it tends to be, uh, you know, kind of more of a collector's item. So, uh, and obviously uh, um, sourcing parts for them are slightly more difficult. Um, so, at least here, you, you rarely see those vehicles out on the tracks. But um, regarding the spanners, um, you know, for me, what I did is I bought a uh, I bought a set, but then what I did is I actually went to like a secondhand shop, uh, which we have a lot around this part of the world, and I actually went to buy uh, doubles of all everything from a size uh, eight uh, uh, to thirteen, because actually for, for on my landy most of it is me well a lot of it is metric. Um, so I actually bought uh, a size eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, a, a second spanner. Um, for the fact that things like my, my roof rack, um, I need to, to, or either a socket to be able to, to adjust my roof rack, for example. So sometimes it makes life a lot easier if you've got doubles in those size and you don't need to buy everything new. Like I said, you can go to a secondhand shop and you can buy it for next to nothing, um, a few extra uh, spanners if it's metric or imperial. Uh, which includes obviously things like your flat sets or your Phillip uh, screwdrivers, a shifting spanner, everything in that little uh, um, department. You can you can be, be able to find at a secondhand shop for a lot less. Mm. And and most of the secondhand tools, let's be honest, are better quality. Definitely. Than the, the the new tools that we're actually purchasing, um, the steel quality is much better. Uh, you know, some of the screwdrivers, yeah, sure, they're not magnetic, but that's not really the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, and sec secondhand shops, particularly for Whitworth, are uh, a fantastic place to actually pick up a few spanners. Yeah. To sure. supplement your toolbox, definitely. So, and, and with, oh, sorry. No, no, go for it, uh, Jeff. Sorry. Uh, I, I was just going to say, um, you know, you mentioned about your spanner set and doubling up. A really good way if you're trying to cut costs is uh, buy a slightly larger spanner set sounds a bit odd, but mm. if you buy a spanner set that's in a roll, let's say, and it's got metric and imperial, well, most of us know a half inch is pretty close to a 13 mil. That's yeah. a pretty common size. Yeah. And then the 7 16th, which is 
all over the Series 3, 2 uh, and Land Rovers yeah. is exactly the same as an 11 mil. Mm. So you've got that ability to fit onto those that, you know, are imperial, sure. might be a little bit sloppy, but you can also use it, you know, if you're undoing a bolt and you need one spanner on the nut and the other sure. one actually on the head of the bolt itself. So that's, a, that's another one that just gives you a bit more diversity in the toolbox. Definitely. Well, then, you know, I think then what we can do is, is we can safely say, you know, uh, instead of maybe buying double doubles of your 8 to 13, if you've got a proper metric and a proper imperial, mm -hmm. then you basically double it uh, on itself. Uh, yeah, that's it. Give or take. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. But either way, as, as you mentioned before, you, you're still coming away with the same outcome. Exactly. You've still got two spanners, so yeah. it's a win-win. But one one thing I'd just like to mention there is a, a good set of feeler gauges. It's mm. absolutely vital. Yeah, you know, um, nowadays, sadly, with modern cars, um, if you go and get a set of feeler gauges, I think they go from about 0.9 to one mil, which or 0.8 to one mil, which yeah. really isn't enough for for what we need. Yeah, uh, and you know anyone worth their salt should have more than that. But King Chrome do a very nice uh, arrangement, yeah. and that basically has everything that you need, and it has it uh, in sizes which are compatible in metric and imperial too. Definitely. So like your tap, your tappets, for example, are zero point. Uh, I think they're yeah zero point one o inch in uh, for the gap. So you've got that on there. You can do your spark plugs. You can do everything in your gearbox. You can do the points, as we discussed too, which if you're doing a longer trip, you'll have to adjust them a couple of times yeah. as they wear. So, yeah, I, I really think feeler gauges, you can't go past that. Definitely. So for, for, for me, at least, you know, I, uh, feeler gauges are almost one of those things that um, – it's almost like you know when your you, when your dad passes on a, a old knife, a hunting knife, or a carving knife, or whatever the case might be. So my feeler gauges was exactly that. That was passed on from my grandfather to my father, and now I'm sitting with it. So it's oh, uh, nice. up until this point, it's uh, you know it's been used um, substantially, even for my uh, on myself. But um, obviously, um, it's something that I make sure I always take with me, including a Leatherman. But um, you mentioned um, in one of your videos, and I've got a similar uh, story, is um, when I was younger, I used to put coins on the railway track uh, just before the train passes. And then oh, it obviously oh. squashes the coins. Yeah. Yep. Very and, cool. Um, yeah, so I had a five cent that I, um, I think it was last year or two years ago, that I placed on the um, railway track. The train came past. I threw it in the landy. I went off and uh, now a month ago, whatever, when I had issues with my um, my points, uh, obviously it, I, I just took a drive to the shop. Um, I couldn't get the vehicle started. And, um, you know, setting the points by eye is not too difficult. But um, I just took this old little squished coin. I ran it through the points. I set it according to that. I came back home and the vehicle started, obviously. I came back home. I reset the points and the timing and everything. And funny enough, that little coin was exactly the width uh, needed um, on the on the uh, points. So it was point, what's it, point four five or whatever the case yeah. might be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you mentioned in one of your videos before you actually uh, used or could use, potentially you can use a um, something like an axe or something. Uh, it was, I think, 
well, you know, back before we had, you know, all, all these wonderful cordless tools that we can get. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're still operating on a pretty, you know, stringent budget, uh, Hacksaw. Is Hacksaw, probably, that's it. That's yeah, one of one of the best things you can chuck in, lightweight, you can cut through just about anything, provided you've got plenty of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can use the hacksaw blade and that's basically, you know, roughly around about the right sort of thickness to set your points. Yeah. And yeah, get get yourself out of trouble. Yeah. So to kind yeah. of stay on the, the topic of uh, toolboxes, obviously, you know, there's, the list is, is endless, but I think there's obviously, you know, Land Rover specific, there is quite a lot of things that I think is worth mentioning and also worth, um, you know, um, considering adding to a, a toolbox. And these are things um, that, you know, I can run through the top of my head and I, I'm pretty sure you can as well because these are things that has mm. been used more than uh, once on, on uh, even on every single trip. And those are things um, like, uh, you know, a small bag of nuts and bolts or some box of nuts and bolts uh, of different sizes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, think, I think the best thing to look out for and it's quite common out here in Australia. I don't know what it's like in your part of the world, but uh, I'm always on the lookout for fencing wire mm. uh, because there's a lot of cattle properties and the, the fences fall down due to camels running through them and all the rest. Yeah. Uh, but I, I always stop and I get a couple lengths and I chuck it in the back of the car because you can pretty much fix just about anything on any vehicle with fencing wire. So sure. that's that's a really really good one to have. Like for example, if your exhaust mount breaks, then fencing wire. You know, if a, a bolt snaps and you don't have a bolt that fits, well, you might be able to fix it with fencing wire. You know, yeah. so and when you get to camp and you don't have a toasting fork, then you can make it with fencing wire. You know, <laughs> so there's, there's really not much you can't do. So sure. uh, yeah. Yeah, nice plug there for fencing wire. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think fence, fencing wire is really good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I do have. I've got a, a new uh, piece of wire, but I've got a few meters as well—a roll of uh, wire that um, that gets uh, left in the in the in the. Uh, I would say the more than a weekend away box. Um, yep. So nuts and bolts, wires. Obviously, we didn't mention, and I think it's worth mentioning regarding the toolbox. Things like a good socket set. Uh, a good mm. uh, a f maybe two or three different uh, uh, um, plier nose pliers uh, a good hammer um, and then things that people tend to forget is the plug spanner and a box spanner um, is this two kind of two uh, two pieces of equipment that I've also kind of used um, quite often and it's quite uh, difficult maybe maybe you can uh, uh, make uh, comment on mm. that but it's quite difficult if you don't have a good plug spanner or a box spanner um, unless you've got a very big shifting uh, for the for the to, to use as a box spanner to actually get the plugs out yeah definitely it starts getting quite crude quite quickly you start using uh, you know cold chisels and all the rest mm. to try and and it's so easy to actually uh, damage the insulator itself yeah um, with, with spark plugs I always take I've actually got a little box it's a briefcase yeah and in that there's all these little small compartments and i put all my electrical stuff in there and so i've got spare points i've got spare uh, spark plugs and that too um so taking a spare set with you is 
always good and you're always going to use it anyway whether you yeah. use it at home or whatever uh in your next service but yeah take taking a good socket set is really good um the one thing that you've got to be careful with and we both know this is uh not going too overboard with the tools either uh so yeah when you you know, whittling away in your shed at night, trying to figure out, well, which which tool am I going to take? Do I take the half-inch socket set or the three-eighth socket set? Um, you just got to remember that every tool that you take needs to have a couple different purposes. That it yeah, exactly. Do. Mm, mm. Because, yeah, um, it's, um, yeah, it can get a bit difficult. Yeah, sure, because, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, you can't um, afford to take the whole... Um, um, workshop with you, although no. uh, I think most of us would love to. Um, so um, you know, it's. I mean, the rest is all consumables, but it's still things that you know makes life so much uh, easier. And it's all small things. Uh, and I think it's it's common sense by now. But things like uh, a spare fan belt, um, a mm -hmm. spare coil, maybe uh, hose clamps. Um, when it, obviously a, a, maybe a, a set of points and then a con condensers in my experience what um, I've realized that condensers you would actually need a few more than just a, a spare a spare condenser because it seems like these things are so flimsy that you could literally have a brand new condenser that's still not working so um, I try to keep two or three condensers uh, on me with with the spare uh, um, points if I'm if you're obviously not running a, uh, electronic ignition um, and then something that someone mentioned to me once is if ever a, cond um, a condenser should fail, um, if you take pliers and you kind of squish the condenser, sometimes you get a little bit out of that still. So you were able to sometimes, you know, uh, uh, still drive to, to a point where you can either call or get assistance or swap out for a new condenser. Wow. That, that's really cool. Uh, how just, just out of interest, how many condensers have you used in your vehicle um actually up until now it's been probably three or four and and you've um, had the vehicle for how long two years three really it's not two and a half years yeah yeah really wow um and even on my brother my brother's got a two uh, a two a and um on his as well i see also he, he was I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the issues was but he went through condensers that was brand new and uh, was still faulty um, so it was, um, it, we quickly realized that when it comes to, con at least for ours, for us, this side, if it comes to condensers, uh, you know, not being super expensive, it's maybe better to just have, uh, two or three spare to, uh, make sure that you're not uh, working with it. Cause the th problem is, is, um, it happened to myself and my brother where you, we would install, um, uh, condensers due to, uh, uh, electrical issue, but then still not solve the issue and then realize, you know, two hours, three hours later that all along it's the, the fault, a new faulty condenser um, that was, um, you know, continuing for us to uh, not finding out uh, what the issue was. Wow. Wow. That, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know where, uh, you know, what, what condensers you guys have down your side, but uh, this is just something that we've uh, picked up here in uh, South Africa. Yeah. Well, I've, I've used Bosch condensers in the past and I've, yeah. I've used one in 13 years. That's incredible. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
I don't know. I'll have to send you a couple over. <laughs> you, know, so you don't have to carry as many with you. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a joke. You'd be replacing one each trip nearly. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, but anyway, you know, it know, I, I think I've been I've been through more condensers than spark plugs, uh, which is uh, you know not a not a great <laughs> issue to have. So, no, uh, no, no. But um, I guess I guess this can bring on something I thought about. I hope it's okay, but. Um, you know, we're talking about tools and obviously one of the tools or a group of tools that we use is like recovery gear, mm. uh, but it's different in a Land Rover with recovery gear because you don't just use it to recover your vehicle out of a, you know, a bog or whether it's stuck in sand. Uh, you actually use that recovery gear to actually work on your Land Rover to, yeah. to keep it running if you're going on those longer trips too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, you know recovery gear being uh, being something that um, we decided to talk about, but being something completely different than spares and accessories to to take along a trip. I think um, uh, if we, I won't say period correct, but if we work away from from the seventies regarding technology and we work away forward. Um, you know, um, I'm not sure if that's something that you still use often in Australia, but uh, the bush winch, uh, is that still common or not really? Oh, oh it's it's the best winch you can ever buy. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got one. I've had one for, yeah, nearly 15 years. And yeah. the great thing is, is if you sell the car, you get to keep the winch. Exactly. And you take it to the next car, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know, buying... Uh, electric winches nowadays are very, very, very cheap, as everyone knows. Yeah. But the pro problem with an electric winch is, and it's the same with the bush winch, is you can get your hand, or if you're unfortunate, both your hands, and you can count how many times you've actually used it. Mm. Uh, you know, and a winch sits on the front of the vehicle. It gets covered in muck, rain, and all the rest. And then when you come to use it, it arcs out and it doesn't yeah. work. So yeah. I, I think having a manual winch is a great place to start, uh, particularly yeah. if you're on a bit of a budget. And the great thing about it is, that, as you would know, is you can winch the car forward. You can then winch it off the back of the vehicle. If you're really, really stuck and you have a look underneath the chassis rail and you make sure there's no brake lines or electrical cables running along, you mm. can actually put a strap or a chain around that and actually pull the car sideways. Yeah. And one of the features that not many people know is that, yes, they can pull a couple ton, you know, um, laterally. Yeah. But vertically, you can also lift, I think, about half a ton. So if you're, out the, if you're out the bush, for example, and your engine mounts have failed or you need to take a gearbox out, you can actually yeah. find a, stur a sturdy tree that you've assessed very carefully and put your steel cable up over the... Uh, branch, yeah, and you can actually lift your engine out that way. Interesting, yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to winches, uh, if it's the the bush winch or the uh, I don't know if there's another term for it, um, wheel winch for a better word of it, um, mm -hmm. compared to an electric winch, um, compared to uh, inflatable, um, um, or oh, not sorry, not inflatable bags. Um, uh, what was there was a third one that I wanted to mention, but 
if you can if you consider which one to use, obviously it's all, it also depends on terrain as well. I mean, um, mm. you know, uh, besides having a spare wheel to winch off in flat uh, sandy conditions on the beach, um, you know, obviously a winch makes so much more sense when you're out in the uh, higher grounds in um, in the rocky terrain where you've got a lot of trees or things to ve- uh, to winch off from if you are by yourself. Um, but the um, and that's a nice thing. What you guys have in Australia, you've got so much, so much um, creative guys coming up with or trying to find solutions to all of this. And the one is the, I think it's the bog out, um, bog out. What did I call it? Um, recovery gear, I, I guess. It's a. Um, oh yes. Um, you know, I haven't seen it anywhere else, and it is obviously an Australian-made product. But um, I've never seen, uh, you know, anyone in real life actually, you know, putting it to use and, um, you know, giving an honest opinion on, um, uh, you know, if it's if it's something that's uh, worth investing in. Because obviously, I think for us to, con- you know, to import it to South Africa, it's three thousand, uh, three thousand rand, and then you know, wow. you're already kind of looking towards a very cheap second-hand. Uh, winch, yeah, so, uh, yeah um, a, electric winch. That's a lot of money. That, and I guess uh, you know that that's where you come back to the old, you know, the old faithful hand winch. One of the other advantages with the hand winch is when you're driving along, let's say you're in a marshy terrain or you're in the mountains, uh, you look at things a little bit differently uh, because you know that you've got to go out there, you've got to hook the winch up. And, you know, there's, there's some physical endurance that's needed, some elbow grease yeah. to get yourself out of trouble. Whereas yeah. with an electric winch, uh, you can be a little bit more cavalier about it. Sure. And you're not so worried about it. Uh, but one of the things I've learned with having a, a hand winch is obviously that. Uh, but you always take some friends with you. And you always make sure that they're willing to help out. So you can take turns on the hand winch. So sure. it's not just one person who's actually having to do all the work. So that makes it a bit more enjoyable. Um, hand winch, you're talking about a come along? Come along, uh, come along, turfer is another one, but uh, similar to what you were talking about before. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the the biggest, uh, not disadvantage, but the biggest issue with those uh, smaller um, or the bog out system, I would call it, is, um, you mm. know, um, um, driving out of the. Um, out of the little ladder track, whatever it provides, uh, you know, yeah. getting that then wrapped around the the CVs or so on. So it's, um, but but then again, you know, the the amount of times, especially when, like you said, and you, I think you basically said it right now, where you know, if you on a solo trip, the amount of times where you're going to push your limits is a lot less compared to when you are out with a bunch of friends with a bunch of recovery gear, where you can kind of, uh, you know test test the vehicle a little bit more so um uh, regarding um you know self-recovery um although these items are a big advantage to have um it's not necessarily items that you would use every single time you you know leave the home um but when you're in that position it makes a world of a difference to actually have them um which comes which basically Mm -hmm. brings it to um a very interesting um uh, and i mentioned the bottle jack earlier and um uh, interesting story that you actually told regarding uh using a bottle jack to get yourself unstuck on uh, on sand of all things 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's there's there's a few stories, but yeah, I, the one I think you're referring to, I I went out into the uh, Great Victorian Desert, which is the largest desert here in Australia, and I was out there for I think four days in the series two. And anyway, I was out there with a friend, and we decided to go off to this sand dune uh, because there was a survey marker up, up top of it. And anyway, so we were driving along and everything's going well. It's getting uh, towards sunset. So all the, the red sand dunes are just starting to glow. So, you know, we're just really enjoying it. Mm. And then we go over one sand dune and we kind of went, oh, oh, that that was a big one. Oh, wow. No, that was that was a real <laughs> that was a real big one. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. We're, we're nearly at this survey marker, so it, it doesn't sure. really matter. So anyway, so we hopped up the top there, took in the view, did a bit of filming and uh, hopped in the series too. And anyway, we were trundling along and we'd kind of forgotten about the, the big sand dune. And uh, yeah, it was it was big. And because people had had several several attempts to go up it, it was a bit bumpy. Yeah, and uh, because the way that we were approaching it too, and the way the wind blows from the west, uh, there was a big sort of drift on top, which was soft sand. So as hard as I tried, and as many pit ponies I whipped, uh, the poor series two would just become marooned on the top yeah. in the soft sand, and we didn't have any max tracks or anything like that. Um, we just had a bottle jack and a. Uh, jacking plate that we'd used as a chopping board earlier that day because we forgot the chopping board so we just got out with the shovel and you've probably done this many a times and we just started digging and digging and digging and we'd get a little bit further forward and then we started digging 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 and then we got the bottle jack out and because the series land rover has such a, a rugged front bumper you can basically just jack straight off it so we used the bottle jack and jacked it up and then went off and found some sticks and small trees and shoved that under the, the wheels. And with Jason, my friend, jumping up and down on top of it just to help to get a bit more traction up and down on the front bumper, yeah. uh, we slowly dragged our way out of it uh, to victory and uh, back to camp. So awesome. that was that was really good. Yeah, it was. It was. Because uh, we would have been out there a while otherwise. Might still yeah. be out there. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And another yeah. thing that you mentioned now, uh, and you mentioned Sun as well, uh, and it's another Australian product, is the Max, tra uh, Max Tracks. Uh, yes. Again, you know, you've, you get different varieties, and I'm sure you get a lot of knockoffs or copies. Um, mm. And, um, you know, there's there's so much videos that kind of gives you a good idea of the difference between the original Mac Tracks and any other copies that's out there. But um, there's still a lot of guys that use something, um, you know, if we talk about something that's uh, affordable, um, is the waffle boards, those fiberglass, um, what do they call it, reinforced plastic or something that, um, that uh, you know, is a very, very cheap op option. Um, and it's the it's basically the product that you would find in, uh, you know, a wet factory or whatever uh, on the floor uh, that yeah. the guys walk on. Yeah, yeah, that that works really well. I've I've used that before, um, yeah. and yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's actually quite good because it's so rigid and it's yeah. flat. Uh, yeah. When you get get to camp, you can put a couple jerry cans out, you know, the steel jerry cans, yeah. and then you can sit one just flat on top, and you've got a bench or a table there. Sure, you know? that's a good so, idea as well. Yeah, 
yeah yeah but you can even go cheaper than that um you can just go down to your, i don't know probably to a friend's place or go to the tip or whatever yeah. and just get some old secondhand carpet and keep a roll in the back and that'll do sure. pretty much just the same thing sure. um and i'm sure you'll find a use for it somewhere else in your camp also so that's that's yeah. another one if you're you know really tight yeah. with funds but i think i think one of the other ones that's really handy uh regardless is the the high lift jack or the kangaroo mm. jack yeah um, you know you can just use that for so many different things and also for even helping to work on the land rover too yeah um, you it works really really well obviously you would never jack the vehicle up and then go underneath the vehicle yourself yeah. but just having that ease of going under the bumper you can jack it up you can then put your axle stand underneath quite easily yeah. um you know it, it just works brilliantly you can also get the attachment so you can convert it into a winch uh, to sort of help to pull the vehicle out a little bit of difficult situations and you know people do think that it's it's a very dangerous bit of kit and the the tension and the kinetic energy behind it is incredibly dangerous mm. uh, no different to a rifle or a shotgun yeah. but you just have to maintain it correctly and obviously respect the fact of how it works yes. um, and it can actually be a very effective piece of kit definitely which which also you know uh, you know if, if for that um, there's another thing that kind of reminds me of uh, of the Isle of Jack is proper recovery points um, mm. you know and the difference between a toe point and a recovery point um, because I think you know now that you're in the position someone comes past you know a vehicle that uh, is able to, to assist you and now you're winching or, or snatching off a, a tow bar uh, or tow bar. Yeah. Um, so I think you know that's another thing and with it seems like with newer vehicles obviously that's um, uh, aftermarket ex um, parts that goes onto the vehicles as the the the, the standard tow uh, points are not obviously made as recovery points mm. uh, well you know you look at a series land rover and everything's you know pretty pretty substantial steel yeah you know yeah. and and sheffield steel for that matter so it's got to be good um but yeah nowadays yeah like people using uh, tie down points as recovery mm. points um yeah it can get very very um dangerous very quickly but it, it comes back to one of those things of just uh, taking the time before you go out on a trip to actually look at your vehicle and just think, you know, is a half-inch bolt, is that really going to be able to hold, you know, four tonne of, you know, kinetic energy, mm. you know, or while I'm getting pulled out? Probably not. It's probably going to snap. Yeah. And if you haven't, haven't got anywhere that you can safely do so from uh, as a recovery point for your vehicle, then obviously you need to look at getting some uh, fitted to it. Yeah, that's and you know, and then that that boils over to another topic where uh, with, with snatching. If you are the the rescuer, um, a few days ago I posted a video. Um, I, I don't know if it was Indonesia or somewhere in Southeast Asia of a little eighty eight um, pulling um, or snatching a rolled one hundred nine. Um, but they were doing it in reverse. So um, what I would recommend, maybe you, you would correct me or not, but um, is to not or never 
uh, try and snatch in reverse. I mean, if you look at the, how gears are made, you know, they are kind of sitting towards a, a forward direction. So if you are doing that in the opposite direction, it's asking for, for, uh, for trouble. So um, that was the first thing. The second thing was um, when you decide to snatch from the back, um, me specifically having have uh, broken a, a half shaft, I am not sitting on the heaviest vehicle or necessarily the strongest back axle, uh, seeing that I have a rover diff. So, uh, you know, trying to snatch a, a 80 series cruiser is probably not on my cards. Um, so, you know, I think those are also small things that need to be taken in consideration where, you know, trying to be the hero or just trying to assist someone uh, in need might end, might end up with you being, you know, stuck with them if, if uh, those things are not taken in consideration. Oh, definitely. You've, you've got to um, know your limitations of your vehicle. Um, and that's, you know, and a good way of looking at that is, you know, uh, GVM. Uh, that's what we call gross vehicle mass over here. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got a car that weighs three and a half, four ton, like an 80 series, that's all kitted out. And then you've got a little, you know, Suzuki <laughs> Jimmy then, yeah. you know, you're going to go, well, one's bigger than the other one, weighs more than the other. So it's, yeah. it's probably not going to work. But having said that, sometimes it does. Like I had a friend of mine, he got his Vitara pulled out by a horse. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, but it's just a risk you take. True. You know? Yeah. So when, when you go camping, do you, do you have many electrical items that you, you run off your vehicle at all? So I actually do not have any electrical yeah. items that I run off uh, the vehicle. I've got, a, a, very I've got nice. two very nice uh, battery banks uh, for my cell phones uh, and the cameras and whatever, uh, yeah. which is more than enough. I think the one that I've recently purchased gets me around, because I kind of use the phone for videos and photos and so on. So I get around mm -hmm. seven charges out of the one. Which is, you know, if, if you're out camping, that's a battery a day. So uh, it's more than enough. Um, and then regarding a fridge, I just have a standard cooler box um, that kind of keeps keeps ice for around four days, four good days. And, uh, you know, besides that, I try to take everything um, in, in, in um, wolf uh, packs, uh, dry food. Oh, so yeah. we're not yeah. being a massive meat eater. You know, I don't need uh, a fridge full of frozen f uh, meat and, you know, not really a drinker myself. Uh, you know, I don't really need a, a box full of uh, cooled or chilled beers. So um, it makes life quite easy and um, a lot, uh, obviously hassle-free when it comes to um, um, needing to, to uh, bother with a 12-volt system or whatever. But with that said, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming with time, obviously, it'll be something that might become a... Um, something to consider oh well you know you're obviously doing okay at the moment so you know why why stop there uh if it isn't broken don't fix it but i guess what i sort of uh th thought about is uh sometimes you know particularly uh we'll be charging things nowadays and the even with the series land rover you know we'll put the inverter on and we might be running the laptop off it or mm fridge or something like that and one of the fantastic things with a series land rover is is the the crank handle you know sure. that's that's the ultimate tool yeah. and that is our dual battery system 
essentially. Sure. Um, and the great thing about it is, is you can actually have your fridge hooked up to it. And even if it runs it down, most fridges will cut off, I think, below about 10 volts, I believe. Yeah. Um, so if, if it cuts out at 10, then sure, you can't use the starter motor, but you've got actually enough voltage to actually generate a spark if you're using the crank handle and off yeah. you go again. Sure. But, so, but if that's not the case, then a really good thing is we, we have a torch over here called a dolphin torch. And it's it's quite a cheap torch, and it uses a six volt battery. Yeah. And it's I think you can I think a lot of people use them for diving too because they're all sealed. And yeah. basically, if you take two six volt batteries with you, and your alternator fails or your generator, uh, you can basically just get some wire and you can just attach it to the positive and negative terminals, and that'll be enough to keep you running for about a week or so. But also, if your battery is completely dead, that'll be enough to provide the spark to actually get it up and going again, too. Yeah, so, sure. You know, and literally, you could do all that for very, very little money. You know, yeah, too, so. yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. true. I mean, uh, like I mentioned on the, the last month when we spoke, uh, that's what happened to me on my last trip during December mm. was mm. when I um, lost my starter motor on the second day of the trip. So uh, yeah. not having a crank handle and being a, a petrol, luckily for me, I was able to tire start it for the rest of the trip. Um, uh, no. So um, that you know that that's uh, the, again the advantage of um, you know having a, a petrol. If it was a diesel, I think the the compression would be a little bit uh, too much to be able to tire start it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe have you ever tried to tire start a diesel? I, I tried my uh, my Parenti, yeah, and I could get it just to turn, but yeah. uh, I needed a few more wheat picks to be able to do that. Uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the the method which I've, I've yet to try is yeah. that you use a strap or a rope and you yeah. wrap it around the tire, and then you almost like you used to use on the old you know the old seagull outboards and all that you yeah, wrap it yeah. around and then you just pull it as quickly and as violently as you possibly sure. could and that should be enough to just get one rotation and then boom, it should start up yeah but i yeah. even even that i wouldn't want to try that on a cold morning i just yeah I exactly for, for quite a long time yeah no for sure not but um yeah so you you mentioned the torch so luckily for me on my battery bank my battery bank is a massive torch as well so um oh. that's kind of a one of those items that you mentioned before where you you know you have one item and it and it does a variety of jobs mm. um and um yeah i mean besides that um you know, I, I obviously you're in a different um, my mindset when it comes to traveling with elect uh, electrical items because you've got cameras and laptops and all those type of things that need to run through inverters. But, uh, you know, for myself, uh, I don't have anything, um, especially in the evening time. I've got my uh, my working light in the back of the landy and, uh, you know, for making food and oh, whatever, yeah. that's enough. And uh, for the rest of it, it's uh, stargazing at night. So, um, you know, not too much light needed. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. One one thing. Um. It's sort of a. It, you you either, I think you love them or you hate them. But the Coleman products are fantastic. Uh, I actually use a. I've had it for 
six years now, a Coleman lantern, and it's a dual fuel lantern. So, mm. um, you know, we, we both run petrol vehicles, but uh, it can actually run off petrol. Yeah. So um, I can just decant a little bit from the jerry can and fill it up and that'll last about a week. And then I've sure. got a dual burner, uh, dual fuel Coleman stove. That's actually so, yeah. that's actually a nice mention, uh, mm. like a nice lantern. I mean, that also gives a really nice at, uh, mood, at least as well around the oh, camp. Oh, very much so. That's actually a, something that I would definitely. Um, I'm actually writing down to try and because uh, I'm sure there is something in the garage that I just maybe forgot about to to throw in the uh, weekend box. But a lantern is definitely something that I could um, uh, use. Um, there's an item that I always throw in the. I've actually got three of them. Um, um, is just uh, ratchet straps. Uh, I've come to realize that um, it's quite a, you know, a, a product or oh, a, a tool that could be used for a million different things, and I've used it for a million different things. Um, and um, it always comes in handy if it's just push, push um, strapping down surfboards or on the trip that I broke both pillars of the, the front pillars of the, the roof rack or... Um, wood or my camping gear whatever the case may be on the roof rack is uh, just a good set of uh, ratchet straps to keep behind the seat oh yeah definitely like um i've even used them to um i think it was it was either to winch or pull a pull a motor out of a vehicle yeah um, out bush because uh, we didn't have the right kit and, and they worked really well with that but yeah. i think that, that that's a very good subject uh, yeah ratchet straps are fantastic um, the other thing that I think is really important is um, taking uh, just a coil of rope or even just some cord with you uh, mm. that's preferably non-stretch yeah. uh, because you can, you can do all kinds of things with that. Um, I, because it's quite hot and uh, very sunny over here in Western Australia, uh, I always take a canvas tarpaulin with me. Yeah. Uh, so that provides my shade and shelter. And uh, obviously I take a lot of, you know, guide ropes and that with uh, with me too it doesn't take up a lot of space and it's not too heavy uh, but you can also use it for a lot of other things like you know a ground sheet if you're working on the land rover sure. um, you you can use it as you would max tracks if you need to um, but the, the cord itself can be really handy too i actually had a fan belt snap uh, on me on the holland track yeah and uh yeah, bit of a long story, but anyway, it snapped, and I always have a spare fan belt, but I'd taken it out and I'd used it on the Series Three, and I was in the Series Two, yeah. so I had no mobile reception. I had an EPIRB, and uh, I was stuck on the side of this road, and I knew someone would come along, but it might be a day or so before I see sure. anyone. So I actually got some cord out, which was I was using for my guide ropes. And it was actually the right width to fit in the pulleys for the yeah. water pump alternator and the uh, and the crank pulley. Yeah. So I I got the remains of the uh, fan belt and basically just did a stencil of the rough length, cut it a little bit longer, tied a knot, and then after about five attempts, uh, I had one that worked and I drove sixty kilometres into the nearest town. And where I had mobile reception, and I called a friend, and he brought out a fan belt. Perfect. So, yeah. yeah. So it's just all those all those bits of kit that you take with you. If it's if it's basic stuff like ratchet straps, um, and as you mentioned, like with your roof rack, 
you can always find another use for it and and that's that's really really good kit yeah 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 i mean you know at this stage i should actually consider going through the box and actually removing a lot of items because you know i've got so i've got spares on spares um mm. that i carry around and you know all of these things that we've mentioned now for an hour it seems like you know you need a trailer to pull all of these things uh, behind you but it's really not you know it's it's most of these items all of my items at least it fits in a met old um uh, army box that goes yeah, nice. um that goes in the back, you know. So um, most of these things are, are um, quite small in size, but uh, quite big when um, in advantage when you when you need them. So it's um, it's really not, um, you know, uh, things that takes up too much space. Um, and then um, you know, and it goes with things like shackles, if it's um, uh, soft shackles or. Um, I think the only the only thing to mention with with uh, uh, shackles is you know just making sure that you always use something with a safe working load. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're, you're dicing with death otherwise if you yeah. don't do that. Um, so that and that's something I think. I guess it's it's almost a cardinal rule um, when it comes to recovery gear and also uh, shackles. You really want to buy new ones. Yeah. Um, don't 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 go down the second hand road and really nowadays there's no real excuse like they they are very very affordable to actually get um, sure. you know it, it, even snap straps nowadays aren't, aren't yeah. anywhere near as expensive as they were you know 10 or 15 years ago yeah yeah i think you know and i think these days you've you've, you've got a variety of options when it comes to recovery kits that kind of gives you a lot of the things that we've mentioned all in one uh, mm. a good snatch rope um, some gloves, some shackles, um, I don't know, maybe a kinetic rope or not. Uh, I don't know what the, the kits offers. But um, there's enough kits for, I think, for probably most budgets. But like you said, if there's anything that we've mentioned where you don't, you shouldn't skip um, it on quality, it should definitely be the, the recovery gear. Um, oh, definitely. Like It's one of those things that might sit in the back for 12 months and you never use it. Yeah. Uh, but that that one time that you do uh, makes all the difference. Like I went on one trip and a friend of mine got randomly got stuck in a lake, and uh, we didn't have the the turfer or the hand winch with us. And if we'd had that, we would have got out probably within an hour. But we were yeah. there for about four or five using a high lift jack to jack his car up and then actually push it over to slowly turn it back around. To yeah. face inshore, so then we could pull it out. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but you know, getting back to like your the camping gear that you take in your you know your nice big box, um, I, I do exactly the same. I've got a, a space case, ex army space case, yeah. and sort of I've I've reached the point as I think you have too, um, where you kind of know what you you use on a trip, and when you come back this is where you, you never stop learning. You come back and you go, well, do I really need to take that next time? Yeah. Oh, pro probably not. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't need to take I don't need to take a dozen plates with me. Oh, do I really need to take the cocktail shaker? Probably not. I might not have a martini this time. I'll hang, I'll leave that, you know. And, yeah. and but, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things. You know, do, do you need... Uh, three pots and pans. Do you yeah. need two two Dutch ovens? Probably not. 
you know yeah, so you yeah. just you you slowly whittle it down and yeah. you know i guess the other thing is too you still got to take a few things that are your creature comforts you know and it might just sure. be a very nice comfy camp chair you know yeah. uh yeah. mine I, I like to take a decent pillow I'll yeah that's just, it yep that's my thing <laughs> that's my jam and, and i always have a little camp table you know and yes, that's yeah. that's that's it you know yeah. Every, everything else is a bonus so yeah it's just deciding what you want you know a lot of people out there are very fanatical about coffee you know they might want a really nice sure. coffee in the morning so fair enough take a coffee percolator with you and a grinder or whatever but you just have to compensate on uh other areas you know so it, yeah it's just making it all work really and yeah. and that's one of the joys of it you know it you never stop learning it never stops evolving sure yeah no i agree but you know for me again i'm sitting with the issue of uh, each time i return f- uh, home uh, and i haven't used this item f- since i bought it you know i might need it the next time and usually with my karma I will probably need it the day that I don't didn't pack it. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always yeah. having allowed at least you know 50 kilos of unnecessary nonsense uh, in the event that I know just because I know the day that I'm going to leave it at home, I'm going to need it. So uh, that's my kind of 50 kilos of you know um, of burden that I carry around. But I guess uh, <laughs> you know it, it's I sleep better at night uh, knowing that just uh, just knowing that it's there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which which actually it. which actually you know brings us to the, i think one of the last um things that i would uh, recommend and uh, that's something that i've actually took out of my box um to um to actually check um and read up on it but is a good um waterproof map um mm. you know we were talking about the electronics and um or you know and you can include maybe uh, GPSs and those type of things with that, but uh, a good uh, old school map, you know, because the map not only gives you a uh, you know and a, a clear um, a picture of where you could go and should go. It also gives you numbers. It gives you places of interest. It gives you places for uh, for field top uh, top ups. Uh, so there's so much information that you can get off maps that um, you know. I think. To have a, a, a general map of the area that you're visiting uh, is always a nice advantage as well. Oh, definitely. And, you know, it, it depends on the style of camping that you're doing. Like the style that we do is quite basic and rudimentary. Yeah. Sure. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people nowadays like to take an iPad with them or a pad of some kind. And yeah. uh, you can get here in Australia anyway, I, I don't know about in South Africa, but you can get some fantastic... Uh, applications that you can actually run on it like one is yeah. uh, Hema, Hema maps for example and that will actually plot your position where you are and you can put routes in and all the rest sure. uh, so it's it's fantastic but I still think you know it's always good to have that you know old faithful you know paper map there you know or waterproof yeah. map you know yeah. because if if you drop it and you smash the screen it's not much good to you you know, yeah. so, um, so yeah, no, d- definitely taking a map, a good compass, it, I, I think is still very much relevant, uh, in this sure. day and age. And, and I certainly take one with me too. Um, yeah. I do use a couple applications on my phone, which I've done of recent, which is just a good way of sort of backing up exactly where you are. Um, yeah. because 
if you're doing longer trips and you've got limited supplies you don't want to you know take that wrong left-hand turn and waste half a day driving down a track that you didn't need to go down exactly so i think i think that's very important and yeah. i guess one subject i think we should probably mention is communication mm. um you know how, how you were saying you know if you get stuck out there because you don't have the kit that you wanted, you know, you, you might want to call home and see if someone can bring out the kit <laughs> for you, you know, uh, which we've all done, you know. So uh, having, having some kind of communication is uh, really good. And I guess, yeah. so, so, so what sort of comms do you, do you take? So, or, or you, you know, don't so, really need anything fancy? Yeah, so, um, you know, I tend, most of my trips tends to be... Um, up the west coast and the west coast is kind of our uh outback you know out to to, yeah. to nowhere nothingness so um awesome. there's a lot of areas uh, along the west coast that does have doesn't have any form of signal um so for me you know that's kind of um where i you know, obviously in emergencies, um, it's a different story. I'm not really talking about that. But in general, camping or ex adventure uh, exploration, uh, that's kind of where I rely on my senses, my experience, my um, understanding of nature and, you know, direction and those type of things to get me, um, you know, out of, uh, out of trouble. So um, in, the, in the form of communication, when the, for me at least, when the signal runs out, I've got no way to, co uh, to communicate. Um, you know, for us, you know, uh, luckily, the most of the time here, you, you know, you'll maybe the, a vehicle will come in in you know a day or two. So um, mm. it's it's you know you're not completely isolated, but um, you know obviously that's that's something that I would probably not recommend for anyone for anyone else. Um, it's just um, you know for me, there's still something uh, adventurous about. The idea of um, kind of looking completely looking after yourself when it comes to uh, um, you know finding new places or venturing into new new territory. But like I said, in emergency purposes, then that's that's not, obviously not the way to go. Which obviously no, in your no. case is different because I mean I, uh, you you do have uh, communication. We do, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I understand where where you're coming from. Um, you know driving along and then no communication you know no no mobile reception and you know for anyone who's a, a an explorer or adventurer at heart you know that's that's where the fun really begins mm -hmm. and i'm sure yourself you know uh, you would take if you let's say you're going for a four-day trip you'd probably take you know six or seven days worth of food and so you know if you got stuck you'd just probably pitch your tent or whatever or put your tarp up and uh boil the brew or something like that and just make it as homely as it can as you know as you can and you just wait for another vehicle to come along and hopefully they have the right tools or the right nows that you know we need to uh, to get the vehicle going again and you know it's it's not a foreign concept it wasn't that long ago where that was pretty much accepted sure. um but here in Australia, I, I, you know, the distances are just so fast. <laughs> um, well, the heat you know, as well. Uh, you know, there's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Extras. 
Yeah. Well, there's, well, as you were talking earlier in the video, uh, in the podcast about, you know, it's getting cold. I'm not going to go near the coast. Uh, it's a little bit the same here. It gets, it gets a little bit too hot over summer. So we don't venture into the desert. Um, but yeah, the distances are so vast and because the population is so low, like I think Australia has a population, uh, similar to that of the Netherlands. Yeah. But we all know how small the Netherlands are, yeah, whereas yeah. the continent of Australia is, I think, a similar landmass to the United States, if you don't sure. include Hawaii and Alaska. So, you know, that kind of puts it into perspective. So communication is actually uh, pretty important out here because uh, most, most, most of Australia doesn't actually have mobile coverage. Most yeah. of Sort of the East Coast does, but a lot of the West Coast doesn't. It's getting yeah. better, but uh, certainly where I go, there's there's nothing. Yeah. So um, we, we've got a thing called a, um, they used to be called EPIRBs. I think now they're called a personal distress beacon. Yeah. And basically um, you pull a pin and that sends out your GPS coordinates to the Royal Flying Doctor Service and Emergency Services um, so they can then locate exactly yeah. where you are and they can come yeah. out and provide aid. Um, so that's that's sort of something I take when I'm in the Series 2 or the Parenti. Uh, Tommy, is, is, is that a paid uh, service, a monthly or yearly service that you pay for? Well, it's actually really good. It's I think it's they're a little bit more expensive now. I think they're around about $300 and it's just a one-time payment. And mm. then you have, you have that for 10 years. I see. So it's... It's pretty good. And so you register and then you can put in also if you've got any medical conditions, like are you diabetic? So will they yeah, need yeah. to bring in, insulin with them or you know, other requirements? So it, it's quite I good. See. Mm. So you've yeah. got that option. And then uh, there's satellite phones. I'm, I'm not a fan of satellite phones. Um, yeah. I've had some ba bad experiences with them where... I've had the phone, but I haven't been able to use it for two days because of um, solar flares and all the rest. Yeah. Uh, so I use uh, HF Radio, uh, yeah. which is, we've got a very good network here called the Oz Travel Safety Network. And they've really sort of pushed the technology to, to its limits and yeah. brought it into the digital age. So through the radios, we can actually do GPS tracking. So I've got a GPS tracker in my vehicle or a yeah. GPS unit. Uh, that will then send out a signal via the HF radio to a uh, repeater station. Yeah. And that will then actually go into the mobile phone network and then send that information to an app that either my wife, friend, family or whoever yeah. has. And yeah. they can actually see that, oh, Jeff, oh, yeah, Jeff's on the move. He's been here and here and here today. Yeah. yeah. And you can do text messages with it and phone calls and uh, I think they're starting to do emails now too. So That's amazing. Yeah, so so you've got it there if you want to use yeah. it, but you yeah. can also just switch it off, forget about it and just immerse yourself in the you know, the fact that you've got no mobile coverage and you're just out there just to enjoy the serenity. Yeah. Yeah, I think and, and you've mentioned this now uh, 5 minutes back is um you know, if you if you've got if you plan with enough food and water uh, and water being obviously something quite important. Um, you know, I always make sure that uh, I, I have enough water for a complete uh, radi uh, radiator, um, uh, what do they call it, refill. 
and yep. have more than enough water for myself. Um, so in that sense, I know that if anything had to happen in that regard, you know, with myself or the Land Rover, then both of us are covered uh, with that. And, um, you know, and like you said, food, um, food is, um, is a, well, at least in my opinion, you know, um, two years ago I did the uh, South African version of um, Survivor, the Survivor franchise. And, uh, oh, wow. We were fortunate enough to go to Samoa um, to go yeah. play um, in Samoa. So the first wow. week of being on the island, um, we were there during the monsoon season. And uh, it was raining from the second day all the way to day eight or nine, which meant – and also we didn't have a flint, so we couldn't make fire all the wood. And also another thing of Samoa is the island that we were on, they didn't have any hardwood. So all the trees, if you hit the tree or kick the tree hard enough, you'll probably drop the tree because of the being so soft and moist. So, um, you know, so we didn't have a flint. It was raining for seven, eight days at uh, nonstop no wood um so we basically didn't eat so we were living off coconut water and um you know standard water oh, um, yeah. so you know so it's these instances that kind of teaches you that you know uh, there's a few things that you do need and there's a few things that me as individual myself could you know uh, could be okay with not having um yeah. but well, regarding um, liquids, obviously, that's something um, that – and what I try to do is I also split my, my water into two or three different containers in case, you know, one cracks or bursts or drops out and leaks out or whatever the case might be. Oh, yeah, and, and look, it happens too. So it's yeah. definitely – yeah, and same with fuel too. It's always good to spread it out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess, you know, the, the other thing like you mentioned about fixing the radiator and we've mentioned, or I think I mentioned, you know, using the recovery gear to not just recover your vehicle, but fix your vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, food, food, believe it or not, can do the exact same thing. Yeah, uh, and to, uh, you've got mm -hmm. the the story about the radiator regarding food, right? I, I have, I have, and and other things too. <laughs> the two, the, the, but the two, the two things, or the three, the four things I always take with me is a five kilo bag of flour. Yeah. Uh, I then have a little bit of yeast so I can make bread. Yeah. In the Dutch oven, I take a hessian sack which I put a heap of potatoes in because, mm. yeah. Who doesn't like roasted potatoes in the sure. fire? Pretty nice. And then a bit of cracked pepper for seasoning and maybe just a couple eggs for a bit of protein. But you yeah. can also use that to fix your radiator too. Because yeah. as, as we know, the radiator is a pressure vessel. And basically, um, when the core cracks, all the pressure is released. And what mm. we want is something to go in there that's... Uh, either can be dissolved or in itself is a liquid and yeah. then actually travel to that area and then obviously solidify or set and then stop the pressure escaping. And egg and cracked pepper does that perfectly. So that's a case where you can use your food to work for you. Sure. And porridge porridge is another good one too. If you get yeah. the, uh, uh, I think you can get like the satchels or the uh the, the bags where it's the real ground up fine instant yeah. porridge i think it yeah. is uh that's another one that works very well too so uh you know just just thinking about what kind of food you're going to take with you can make a big difference and sure. you don't need to spend an absolute packet on uh dehydrated meals and all that too yeah yeah 
Mm. Well, I think you know if it, if if we take everything on uh, mentioned in consideration, I think it's kind of a, a good overall idea of um, uh, gear and equipment that um, you know could could make life quite easy. Is there anything else that you would uh, throw in the mix to to sweeten the the the, the list? Uh, well, look, something one thing that I, I would add. Um, and it's sort of a big thing here in Western Australia is the, the Dutch oven or the camp oven Yeah, is absolutely fantastic. Um, you can get them in cast iron, uh, but I've also got one in pressed steel. And you can just use the coals from the, the campfire, yeah. basically. And because it's like an oven, you can bake everything in it. So I've done Anzac biscuits. Uh, I was out bush and it was a friend's birthday, so I made a chocolate cake and did that in it. Uh, roasts, <laughs> you know. I overtook birthday candles for him. He was very happy. I've never seen a grown man smile so much, you know. It's like a nun with concussion. So, yeah, so, you know, so you can, you can do all that kind of stuff. And so you could actually, um, you know, take some very basic kit with you but uh, live like a, a king or a queen. So I think that's really good um, and very cheap once again. And, yeah, you just keep experimenting with it. And yeah. there's plenty of books out there about how to use them. And, yeah, yeah give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that kind of wraps it. Uh, yeah, I think the only thing that I can think of uh, that, could, that does make life a lot more comfortable out uh, is a good shade. Uh, might it be, you know, just a very cheap old umbrella that you throw in the back or a nice awning um, mm. or just something to, to get out of the sun? Um, because, and, and, you know, if you've got something that um, you can double up as kind of like a windbreaker, even better. Because uh, especially up the west coast, the wind can be relentless in the summertime, and there's nothing worse or more unpleasant than sitting in gale force uh, southeasterly winds, trying to you know uh, enjoy the fire at night. Because usually the wind continues yeah. all the way up until like nine, nine thirty, ten before it settles. You know, and that's exactly the time after sunset when everyone's around the fireplace, and you know it, it's a mood killer when everyone is sitting in the wind and uh, you know. The, the fire is basically burning uh, or uh, burning in the wind. So um, that's something that I would definitely recommend. Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. And the other thing is, too, having windbreak like that, all your equipment is safe. Mm. Um, I had one case where I didn't do that, and all of a sudden the fire got really big during the night, and I woke yeah. up and all the, all the camp chairs had got blown into the campfire. So oh, wow. uh, we didn't. We didn't have camp chairs after that, but but because we had a Land Rover, you can just take the seat cushions out and sit on that. Sure, so, exactly. There's always um, a way. Yeah, yeah. Or Jerry can. I mean, there's so many things. Yeah, you can Jerry use can. Yeah, yeah. Cooler box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, um, for the next month, Jeff, what's uh, what's on the cards? So uh, for the next month, uh, we've got. Hopefully, Road to Ruin will be classified and coming yeah. out on a. We'll start making, um, I guess, uh, ways of it coming out online, which will be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we've got some really interesting episodes of servicing your 4x4 coming out, uh, obviously. Which you started, uh, you right? Like... Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yep, so they're, they're coming out. Uh, so, check us out on YouTube at Seriously Series. 
And yeah, hopefully we'll have the Series 3 up and running, ready to go. And hopefully the Parenti will be pretty much nearly complete too. So it'll be a big Beautiful. month as always. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, uh, like always, obviously, um, you know, we'll stay updated uh, via um, YouTube and Instagram. So, yeah. um, and Facebook as well. That's uh, true. That's true. And look, yeah. I think we're going to find lots lots of other subjects to talk about too, no doubt. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see what we so, come up with. Yeah, definitely. So, until uh, we speak again, um, all the best. Uh, enjoy the trips and obviously, uh, uh, you know, still enjoying the content uh, online. And uh, for the rest of you guys, uh, like we said, you can find uh, Jeff and the guys at Seriously Series, Seriously underscore Series TV on Instagram and then uh, Seriously Series on um, YouTube. And um, I'm going to mention it. If you go to Jeff's YouTube or Seriously Series uh, um, channel on on YouTube, they literally have the biggest variety of Langevin-related topics that you can find under the sun. Um, He's mentioned servicing. There's, uh, you know, making breads out in the middle of nowhere. There's... All the way down to you know putting uh, um, doing your, your your timing and your points um, on the landing, washing clothes in the bush, um, you know prep trips, um, and then all the way down to like as mentioned before, uh, the little series that they do like uh, Edge of the Earth, um, and then hopefully you know with the future content of Road to Run. Spot on. Yeah, beautiful. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, thank you very much, Rudolf. Cheers thank again, you. man. Um, yeah, have a good week, and uh, we'll be in touch. Definitely, definitely. You too. You too. Thanks. Talk Thanks, soon. Jeff. Take it easy. Bye. Cheers. Bye.